With so much capital coming into the CNI solar market, the challenge of penciling projects with an evolving capital stack can be a daunting. Hi, I'm Andrew Burns, finance reporter for New Project Media. Today, I'm joined by Distributed Solar Development Chief Investment Officer Jamie Hudson to discuss his approach to the efficiency of capital and financing project portfolios, as well as some of the interesting evolutions and challenges facing the CNI market. Jamie, welcome to the podcast, sir. Thanks. Glad to be here. It's an honor to have you. Uh, today, I want to uh, do a dive into a little bit about uh, the great work that you guys are doing and uh, continue to do uh, at DSD and uh, some of the exciting things on the horizon for you, as well as some of the uh, kind of the broader developments that are taking place uh, in the CNI solar space. But, uh, you know, first, I, I'd like to give the audience a little chance to learn a bit about who they're listening to. So, uh, if you would, just tell me a little bit about your background and how you came to be where you are today at DSC. Yeah, sure. So um, I, uh, I originally started working uh, for GE uh, back in 2015 while I was in business school. Um, and my first rotation uh, was actually on this team for working for Eric Scheman uh, when it was a much smaller group um, up in Schenectady. And um, I, I spent some time um, working through this project, uh, our first financing. I got to know a couple of people on the team. And, uh, and then I, I switched and I, I went to work at GE Capital at Energy Financial Services uh, for a few years there, uh, which was you know, s- such a great place to learn and understand uh, tax equity, you know, deal, project deal economics, how to model, how to understand contracts, right? Very formative few years there. Um, so I had had the good fortune of, of ending up um, in that group. And so in 2019, I joined uh, DSD as we were spinning out. Mm. Um, so got to got to see the inside of that process, which was excellent. Um and, and took a, a pretty small team out of GE. Um, you know, we were acquired, as you know, by BlackRock Real Assets. And um, so we built the team from, I don't know, 30 or 40 people in June of 2019 to now we're over 100 and, um, and really hitting our stride here. So um, I'm honored and, and, and proud to be a part of the team here. And we've done a lot of really, um, really exciting things over the past couple of years. That's good. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm interested in in learning more about uh, some of those uh, things that you guys have done. Um, It's interesting because NPM also started, uh, you know, I joined the, the, the staff of uh, NPM in 2019. So we've been uh, working at a similar timeframe, it looks like. So we've seen some of the same evolutions that the industry has gone through. It's amazing, isn't it? Just, just in just a couple of years, how much uh, the industry has, has already evolved uh, you know, since since 2019. It really, whenever I reflect back on my time or at the beginning, it's it's amazing how, how much things have evolved, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. I mean, when I my first entree into this market was in CNI Solar mm-hmm. in 2015. And then, you know, the next several years were all utility scale wind. And when I came back to CNI Solar, the, the landscape had changed so much. Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. Um, were you uh, always interested or, or involved in in you know the financing beat? Obviously, it's very for renewables in particular. It's a very complex. There's a lot of uh, moving pieces, a lot of parts of the capital stack. Obviously, that you have to line up. 
But uh, was that something that uh, was always interesting to you, or is it something that you really just only got interested in once you uh, arrived at GE in, in 2015? Yeah, so I, I went back to business school um, to to focus on the financing side of it, mm. um, right? So I, I was involved in a couple of startups um, after graduating from undergrad. Uh, one of them was sort of in renewable energy. And, you know, but I, I really wanted to see the, I wanted to be on the finance side because I realized that the landscape was, was changing so quickly, but I really recognized that whatever the technologies that were going to be successful and dominant, we're going to need capital. Right. And so the capital providers would be able to allocate capital to various, various types of projects. And you look at it now, right. There's different market segments, there's different technologies. And even mm-hmm. in the segment of batteries, you know, what is going to be the dominant technology five or 10 sure. years from now? Yeah. I don't know if anybody really knows. Right. Yeah, you're, right. you're absolutely right. And if they think they know, they're probably a fool. Um, well, can you give me a little bit of background on DSD as well? I know that, uh, you know, I was, I was reading up on him, uh, on you guys, obviously back when we did our original interview and back in January and, and uh, before this interview as well. Um, so tell me about uh, how uh, DSD was formed and, and kind of where your focus is in, in the market. Yeah, well, Eric Sheeman, our, our CEO, start you know basically started the the platform within GE. I think it was 2013, um, right? So he he put the team together and and got some capital allocation within GE to start this um, you know rooftop solar platform, and it's evolved since then. Um, but you know that that was where the roots of the business are was was in um, was with, from within GE, but. You know, we've we've since grown. We we have a great canopy team, right? So we, um, you know, we're, I just saw a rendering for a new design um, the other day. I mean, they're making really nice, um, like just beautiful designs on these canopy systems, which are producing electricity mm-hmm. and in a cost-effective manner, right? So it's it's really remarkable how our business and our platform have evolved from kind of you know type like Lego type assembly of rooftop solar, um, which is valuable, but now we're making, you know, these large ground mounts. Um, we have community solar, we have these beautiful canopy structures that we're building. Um, you know, we have, we have all architects in our office, right. Designing these systems. Um, so it's, it's really pretty cool to see the, uh, the growth and maturity of our business. Right on. Well, yeah, that's, 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 again, I, I think what it tracks uh, me, at least to, to this industry is just that there is so much evolution, there's so much change um, over such a short amount of time. And that's what keeps things interesting. Um, you mentioned that uh, since you joined in 2019, that you guys have, have been involved in some interesting things. You want to just kind of give me a little bit, uh, maybe of a broad overview of uh, the things that you have worked on o- over the course of your time at DSC over the last couple of years? Yeah, yeah, sure. It's, um, you know, a little bit of everything. Right. But, um, you know, for me, it's been, it's been really exciting and fun to, um, build a team. Right. I mean, we had, when I joined, it was, there were, it was me and two other people kind of in the like project finance, structured finance role. And we now have two project finance lawyers who are incredible. We've got a great team. Um, the business itself has grown considerably, right? And so, um, 
and, and we're continuing to grow, right? Everyone's working very hard just to keep pace with, with the growth that we have. So, I mean, that's just as a, as a, as a big picture, that's been, that's been great and, and exciting part of what we're doing here. Um, we've done some really interesting and I think market forward financings. Um, so, you know, in the, in the project finance market for CNI, it's still kind of in the early stages from uh, a capital markets perspective. Right. Um, so we've been able to close two, you know, large tax equity facilities, which is, you know, a high percentage of the large bank deals that were done over the past two years. Right. Um, so that's been fun, you know, navigating the, the, the different channels between, you know, debt and construction financing and tax equity and our own sponsor capital. Um, that's been a challenge when you're dealing with so many different projects, but each right. project, it's not like it's residential solar where you just have, you know, 50,000 somewhat the same projects. And if 10% of them go out, then, then you have a problem, but the individual assets don't really matter. With CNI, the challenge is that the assets, you know, we might have 50 assets in a fund, but each one of those assets is worth, you know, a million, two, three, maybe five or $10 million. So you, it's not like, oh yeah, it's just, you know, we, we don't have to worry about that project, but you have to be very efficient with how you diligence them because you have to do 50 or 60 of those projects. Right. Um, so that's a challenge and it's been a fun challenge. I think we've done a, a pretty decent job of it. Yeah. Well, that was one of the main reasons that I uh, wanted to bring you on today. Uh, it was back from our original conversation was I was really struck by you talked about uh, how you, um, you know, a lot of a lot of people are focused on kind of the bottom line and the cost of capital, which makes sense. But you kind of had this perspective of uh, chasing the efficiency of capital. And we're going to get into that in a little bit. But th that was the thing that that really stuck out to me about kind of what uh, the work that you do. And it makes sense, like you say, with so much so it's so many large portfolios that you're working with, things have to work together, right? Uh, for, for everything to pencil. And so it's, I imagine that's a very interesting balancing act that you're working on on a day-to-day -day basis. Before we get into the specifics about your, uh, your feelings about uh, the efficiency of capital and that kind of thing, I wanted to just get your thoughts on sort of the, the broader CNI uh, solar market, because like you said, things have changed, things have evolved even over the last couple of years. So I was, I was curious about where you, you think that it's thrived, like I, whether that's, you know, in terms of locations or whether that's in terms of just uh, kind of market positioning or, or, or whatever it kind of comes to mind when I, when I bring up that, 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 that phrase, but where has that evolved and thrived uh, over the course of your time uh, in the CNI market? Yeah. Um, it's interesting, right? I mean, there are, it's a very fragmented market. Yeah. Right. But you'll have, have several large entrenched players that gobble up a lot of the fragmentation. Right. So there are many, many um, sort of mom and pop type developers out there where, you know, it's it's a couple of people um, signing up a, a, a local rooftop um, or, or developing some some land for a distributed site um, and then selling that to somebody else. Right. So there are many, many of those. Like, I, I don't know that anybody has an exact number on what oh, that yeah. is because it's so fragmented. Mm -hmm. uh, but the, at the same time, some of the larger players have, have um, 
you know, combined and there's, there's, they've grown, right? And so we're trying to be one of those top several um, asset managers and developers each year, right? And I think right. that's a challenge. But where, where I've seen the, um, the, the distributed CNI sort of market thrive, I think was the introduction of community solar mm-hmm. um, really around New York. Sure. Um, and, you know, programs that I remember studying what they were thinking about while I was in school, uh, you know, six or seven years ago that now are, you know, we're, we're, have been implemented and we're building and developing and owning and operating these projects um, as part of leaders. So, and now you have other states mimicking what's going on um, with the VEDER program. So it's a couple of different things. I think the, the cost, um, the scale have, have all increased, right? The scale has increased so that the cost can come down mm-hmm. uh, per kilowatt hour. And, and then you have these new programs, new market incentives that are really enabling a ton of development, which you know helps the scale and helps the cost. So it's been... It's, I feel like the, the tipping point was maybe like just pre-COVID, right? The end of 2019 and going into 2020. I think, you know, if we hadn't have seen the disruption we did last year, I think we would, we would have seen a crazy growth spurt on the 2020 number of DG megawatts. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we'll see that this year. Very interesting. Well, you know, um, that's what, that's something that I, that I, uh, was kind of thinking about and something that I was interested in, in talking about is that, uh, especially with community solar, um, it is kind of historically, I, I don't know if reliant is the right word, but it, those those local policies have really been important in, in supporting that growth, right? Um, and you, sure. you mentioned in New York and, and and obviously we are seeing it in a lot of other states um, that, that, that are kind of following that that lead. Um, do you think that these these local policies and programs are, are still like uh, necessary in order to make like a, a certain, I guess, region or state uh, viable, or is it becoming like you mentioned that the, you know, with scale, the cost is coming down. Is it starting to become viable um, regardless of whether you have those, those policies in place? It's both. Um, but the, the states where there are incentives are also just a little bit easier to do business. Sure. Um, around solar, right? So, so when they have those programs in place, dealing with the utilities, the interconnection studies, mm. um, a lot of the, the components of putting, a, you know, a rooftop project or a distributed ground mount in place are are better set up in those markets where you have local policies, right? Because you have the the regulating authority telling the utilities, hey, this is something you have to get done, right? Right. Yeah. And. So, and even you see like a state like Virginia where not a lot of distributed generation has been built um, over the past decade, there is a good amount of development going on in Virginia right now with Dominion mm. um, and, and across the state, right? So um, there have been some really big RFPs that, that have come out for rooftop programs in municipalities and, and distributed projects that have already been developed and, and are going to get built this year, right? So there's a lot going on in some of these newer states. And, you know, if you look a year and a half ago, Virginia passed new legislation around right. the solar market. Mm-hmm. So um, I think it's, it's, it's not just the incentives, 
but it's sort of the when the policies come out, everyone kind of gets in line, says, OK, this is something we need to help get done. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, you know, <laughs> you mentioned the 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 interesting logistical issue of, of interconnection. Um, that's something that I have been studying uh, fairly recently was just kind of you, you see in some states, uh, particularly um, I've been doing a lot of coverage in, in the West and, and in the West, um, like the, the interconnection queue is starting to get backed up. Right. And, mm-hmm. and I was curious, you know, considering that how many projects that you guys have in a, in a single portfolio, is interconnection becoming more of a logistical challenge? Um, or is that something that uh, in the, the areas that you are, it hasn't really gotten to that point yet, but that's something that you, you know, might be looking at down the road. It's definitely, um, it's definitely something we're highly focused on mm. and trying to understand in a market and utility basis, right? Because there are some areas where there has been a lot of development over the past decade and you're starting to see those queues pile up, the interconnections right. that is taking longer and utilities coming back with big numbers in terms of investment that they need to do, right. which is therefore going to take a long time for them to complete. And, and if your project is in that queue, it's like, well, we got to do two years worth of interconnection upgrades, you know, transmission distribution upgrades. Um, your project is stuck behind that, that process. Mm-hmm. So that's definitely starting to pop up. Um, you know, I think a lot of people saw what Eversource did in, in Massachusetts last year. Um, you know, so they, that affected a lot of projects right across the, across the industry because uh, it was just a blanket, uh, blanket hold. So um, as, as the, the saturation of these projects kind of grows in some of these markets, I think that's going to be an increasing problem, something that utilities should kind of also be planning for. And, and however, the, you know, the utility commissions of, of these states should also be thinking about because it, it goes against their stated goals, right? To have big backlogs and big queues of, of these interconnection, whether it's a study or an upgrade or whatever the case. Yeah, I agree. I think um, whenever I first started, this is another uh, thing about <laughs> evolution since 2019. Whenever I first started, I don't think there was as much of a concern about that, the interconnection issues and about the logistical uh, challenges behind that. But over the last, uh, you know, a couple of years, as I've, as I've uh, learned about the industry and, and seen it evolve, that's it's definitely starting to, starting to see something that I'm seeing. And I can see that being a, you know, a huge challenge down the road that yeah, it's, it's different in each location, but it's something that is gonna we're all gonna have to grapple with eventually. So it's interesting to hear your perspective on that. Um, I'm I'm ready to get into some of the specifics about um, some of the things that DSC has been working on in its current pipeline. But before we do that, there was one other thing I, I wanted to mention. Um, you mentioned that uh, you know obviously DSC wants to be one of the leading companies within the CNI space, and 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 I'm sure it is. Um, and that's another thing that I, that I'm seeing um, in in the market is I'm seeing some of these larger companies spin out and have like a, a CNI focus or DG focused uh, uh, part of the, of their uh, business plan, whether it's like, a, you know, has its own name or, or, or what have you. Uh, is that something that you're seeing? And, and were you able to uh, get out a little bit ahead of, of this trend that companies are doing or going where they, they have like a DG sector in, in their market? Or is that something that, uh, you know, you were just kind of in the middle of when when you know whenever you joined uh, DSD, yeah, I think we were right at the beginning of that uh, yeah. 
right at the beginning of that sort of consolidation or, or deconsolidation even um, in some cases, right? So it's a, I think it's definitely an interesting trend and it, and it, it speaks to the opportunity of CNI and distributed generation right now. Right. And, um, in that the, you know, building massive facilities out in the middle of nowhere is, can get really cheap electricity for some people, some users, right? But you see what kind of over-reliance on that does. Um, look what happened in Texas, right? I mean, right. a lot of different things cascaded, but if I were to have one main takeaway, it's that centralized generation is a risk, right? Mm-hmm. Regardless yeah. of the type of power, right? You had gas plants, you had wind plants, everybody was having issues, right? Right. Coal was freezing, right? Like crazy things, but the distributed, a lot of the distributed solar projects that are out there were still operating because they're just smaller and, and easy, right? right? So that that's an important consideration in the market is that from a policy perspective, distributed generation makes sense, right? You're putting the, the electrons as close to the user as you can, right? right. And the, that poses an, an interconnection challenge because the grids are built for these big centralized generations, generation systems, right? Um, but it, it is an interesting, I think it's a, it's a big opportunity because there is a ton of capacity that needs to go out. And the way we look at it, it's like every parking lot, every garage top and every rooftop should have solar on it, right? There's just no reason not to. You can put solar on a roof for cheaper than you can buy electrons at, on wholesale, certainly at, at after you account for um, T and D in there. Right. So every, like if from our perspective, you know, five or 10 years from now, every, every single municipal parking lot should have solar on top of it. Right. There's no reason not to, because that, that, that space above those vehicles is not being used for anything. Mm-hmm. It's currently just useless and you can continue using it for the same purpose, but now you have solar on it. You have added value. You're not taking it away additional, you know, green space, you're not cutting down trees, you're not clearing, um, clearing the land here, right? So it's the same with the landfill. Like, why does, why is there a landfill anywhere that doesn't have a ballasted solar system on it? Sure. So that, I think that's, those are the opportunities that, that a lot of people are seeing, the market is seeing, other investors are seeing. Um, I think the influx of capital into the space is going to bring the returns down. So a lot of people are saying, oh yeah, big opportunity and also like higher than, um, you know, maybe a little better returns in this segment of the market than other renewable segments. I think that that period, I think we did, we have missed now. I don't think there's much of a divergence, uh, you know, a DG premium in the market anymore. It's because there's so much capital coming and a lot of the, the utility players have come down into the DG space. Yeah, it's really interesting to hear you talk about that because back when I, I first started in 2019, actually my first story was with um, this woman, Suzanne Burton in Texas. And that's where I, I live, by the way. I don't know if you, if uh, I feel you on that, but, that, that, but yeah, so so <laughs> I'm well aware of, uh, how, <laughs> of yeah. uh, our, our need to, to have uh, distributed resources for sure. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was the very first, very first story I did was with Suzanne, um, down there at, uh, uh, it was like, she has, works for this AE subsidiary 
in Texas. And, and she was talking about, uh, you know, uh, she calls DERs uh, even way back then. Yeah. And, and um, I'm sure that as soon as the, the, you know, the grid freeze happened, you know, she's, I'm sure she was out there like, Hey, ready to start talking yeah. about that stuff now. And I'm sure that, you know, she might have the ear of a few more people these days, but uh, it is interesting to, to hear you talk about uh, uh, sort of the evolution there. But um, so, yeah, let's 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 get ahead now into talk about sort of what DSD is working on now and its current pipeline of projects. You know, a few months ago, we we talked about the revolver that the DSD closed with Rabobank. Um, so can you talk to me about since then or, or uh, that? Yeah, that was right at the beginning of the year. Can you talk about um, kind of your current pipeline and, and sort of. I don't know if there's things that maybe have taken place with DSD since January, or, and then maybe you can go into uh, sort of what you're looking at in the back half of the year. Yeah, we've been uh, we've been building projects, starting you know mobilizing on on projects. We got uh, turns turn a few systems on. Robobank's been a great partner uh, yeah. for us. Um, so we've got. Um, you know, good number of projects already in that facility and under construction, and and we're sort of ramping up um, for the second half of the year. I've got uh, actually, you know, like I mentioned to you, we we've got a little bit of a team offsite here today. Yeah, First one in a long time, um, which is really sort of a, a planning for the second half of the year because we we do have a lot going on, right? We've got a lot of projects, we've got a lot to finance. Um, lot to build and we just want to make sure we have you know all the right resources in place and um you know it's it's an exciting time because i think uh a lot of people are are feeling um feeling very positive about the you know the next six to 18 months in a way that we haven't really felt in the past 18 months right yeah. um, right i mean we have a lot of tailwinds in the industry uh, we have, you know, just general economic tailwinds. Um, there's a lot of good stuff going on. So we want to make sure we're, uh, we're executing against our plan and our strategy uh, sure. for the rest of the year. And how satisfying is that for you to like have gotten through, you know, what, what was a really a challenging period for a lot of companies um, to now where you do have those tailwinds, you've got, uh, you know, you've got positive momentum uh, behind you. How satisfying is it for you to, to be able to kind of start to you know, be on the other side of, of that challenging time and, and look ahead to all the exciting things that, that you have in store. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's quite, it was quite the year, right? I mean, in March and April last year, I had banks telling me, Hey, like I, we can't honor anything right now. And like, we don't know what's going on. Right. And we had a tax equity, uh, portfolio in the market in February where we were talking with banks and, and everyone was just like, you know, like, uh, we don't know what's going on. <laughs> right. Like, well, uh, let's talk, you know, June, July, you know, the fall. Right. So there was, there was a lot of uncertainty. That was quite the challenge, right. You know, and for, for business. And then I think personally, right. Everyone on the team dealing with, um, their own families and, and all the challenges we faced last year. So it's, it's very uh, satisfying is probably not the right word, but it's, you know, it's, it's encouraging and makes you feel good to look back and say, well, you know, our, our team, we got through this together. We, we built a lot of projects. We faced a lot of challenges, but overall we had a pretty good year and um seems like we're coming out on the other side of this thing and let's let's 
you know, keep, uh, keep the pedal down and keep going. Yeah. Right on. Well, you know, uh, when we were talking about the, the, the Rabobank uh, facility, the revolver, um, you, you kind of went into, um, you talked about kind of the, um, how it fit into the a, a previous facility that you had with credit. How do you, ah, their name, it, it credit, Suisse. credit Suisse. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, okay. So can you talk to me again, a little bit of how those two things, uh, those two deals kind of fit together and, and flowed uh, together for you? Yeah, absolutely. And it goes back to your earlier comment, right? About the efficiency of capital. Like right. we're, we're focused on, on having good processes and the right support and the right diligence process and making sure that there's as little gray area or as, you know, the smallest gaps as possible between different sets of documents and different facilities. Right. So um, that was, that was the, the premise of what we, we put together last year. Um, And we, we totally switched around our, financing strategy in, you know, late spring, early summer last year, because we were like, okay, well, you know, you know, we had many projects that we could just clearly weren't going to get done in, in 2020 um, at that point with the, you know, the halts across the industry. Um, and we, we were just looking at what we're going to do this year and what we have done and what was successful and what was not. So we, we really had, you know, kind of a, you know, an opportunity there to to reimagine our strategy and think about what we were, what was really the most important thing to us. And, you know, like we said, like we said earlier, right, DG is hard because you're you're investing millions of dollars in each of these projects, but it's not fifty, it's not a hundred, it's not five hundred million dollars in one of these projects. So you have to you have to do the diligence, you have to make sure things are correct, but you have to really come up with a process on how to make sure that everything is done correctly. Um, right. So there's, there was a lot of investment that we've done and are continuing to make into our process of financing these projects. Right. So that's been an important factor and being able to share that across our, our, uh, our, you know, investors and our financing parties partners is, is key. Yeah. I imagine that it is. And you, I think you mentioned also, uh, we did that deal that, um, you know, you kind of had this freedom to, to work with a variety of, of uh, tax equity uh, partnerships that you, that you, you, I think the way that they put it was leveraging multiple tax equity partnerships that you're going to be able to do through, through those, um, those deals. So how did, how did the tax equity, the tax equity piece kind of fit into that? And, and um, you know, how's that, you know, sort of working for you? Yeah, it's going well. So, I mean, we, we just announced the, the commitment from Bank of America. So right. they've, been, they've been great partners of ours so far. Um, and, and I'm sure it will continue to be, but we've, um, you know, we've got our first few projects in that facility and um, starting to turn them on. So um, we're, uh, we're excited about the rest of the year and, and putting some more projects in the ground. Okay. Right on. Well, you know, uh, revolvers seem to be it's it seems like more and more i'm seeing um and particularly these these companies that are focusing in the dg and, and the cni market um revolvers seem to be i don't know if growing in popularity is is the right way to put it but certainly i'm seeing more of them right uh 
We've seen more companies close uh, revolvers. Are they becoming easier to obtain? And it is, is that something that's kind of specific to the CNI space or is that just sort of a growing trend that's just kind of industry wide where, where um, these, these investors and, and lenders are starting to sort of do it on a, on a more evolving basis and they're, and they're really going into the company more so than just um, investing specific you know, projects? Yeah, it's, it's a good question. And, you know, I don't see every transaction that, that happens out there. So I don't know how much more popular they are than they were, you know, five years ago. But I think as a trend, it, it shows and represents that there's, there are bigger players, both from the capital provider side and from the developer and sponsor side that are in the market that themselves are also bringing scale to that what they're doing because in order to have you know a, a, an even remotely efficient revolver type of structure you need to have some scale and and some rateable scale right so it's like you're doing things all the all the time and then you're starting to turn them over and you're turning that capital right so if you don't have the pipeline and the scale on both sides of the equation, both from the, the sponsor and from the, the lender, then it doesn't make sense really for either party to do that. And I think you've seen the industry grow over the past couple of years where there's enough scale, there's enough volume, there's the you know sophistication of the sponsor that wasn't in the DG space, you know, three or four years ago. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's really interesting to see how, you know, that, that kind of evolution um, take place. Well, you know, obviously in, in your line of work and, and really uh, in, in most lines of work uh, when it comes to solar, um, obtaining tax equity is key. Um, but now, you know, there's this, I, I, I keep hearing this, this growing talk uh, from the federal level about this, this direct pay uh, alternative to tax credits. Um, are you, you know, is that something that you guys are tracking and like, what, what are your thoughts on that? And how do, how do you think it would affect, uh, kind of what you do on a, on a daily basis? It sounds like it would affect it uh, quite substantially if that was something that took place. Yeah, I think, um, I think it, we're, we're definitely tracking, uh, what's yeah. going on with the, the tax proposals and some of the bills that are being put forth, right? Uh, it, we're definitely tracking that's obviously, very important to what we do. And like you said, it's going to affect, um, affect our business. It's going to affect the industry. Um, and I think there are several opportunities to really improve the market and the efficiency of the market in, the, in a couple of important ways here. And I think one of them is the idea of a refundable tax credit that is not based on the the sort of FMV concept, but it's more based on cost, right? And so um, I've been saying this for a year and a half since um, people started thinking, looking at, at a potential Biden administration, right? Um, what what would the ta- what would the ITC reform look like? What, what would be the ideal platform? I think everyone's got their own take on that, but I think what is shared is that you run into a, uh, a slippery slope when you start to get into, you know, um, refundability of tax credits when you introduce uh, sort of the, uh, you know, this developer profit and, and trying to figure it out. And there's all this gray area, right? I think keeping it with hard costs keeps things simpler and more straightforward. And I think 
it just makes it a lot easier to just figure out. Right. And I think that's important, right? There were a lot of, there were lawsuits. You look back to, you know, 1603, there were all kinds of problems. Sure. Uh, I was involved in some of a couple of those projects um, sort of uh, indirectly. Uh, right. So I saw, I saw some of those issues firsthand and what it looks like for, for a sponsor and investor or uh, right. So we don't want to, we don't want to send the market into some crazy, you know, everybody's, you know, got, you know, highly inflated ITC numbers. It's not good for the projects. It's not good for the sponsors. It's not good for anybody. It's not good for the market, right? So, but on the other side of things, the the tax equity market, um, as corporate tax laws have changed, as the risks of these projects have changed, the tax equity market has gotten smaller and smaller and dominated by fewer and fewer players, right? which is also not good for the market, Right. right? Um, and so having, having the optionality of, of some refundability and then making an economic choice as a sponsor of saying, okay, well, do I want to take 85% or hundred percent of my costs or do I want to go with a tax equity investor where you have a sale and, 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 um, there's other components and other factors to consider that might increase my returns. Right. But when you have that optionality, you have a little more flexibility in the market and the terms are going to work better. You can play a little bit better with with the lenders um, and you open up many projects that tax equity, you know, large banks have regulations. And it, it's not like we can just purely blame the couple of financial institutions. They have their own set of of regulations and considerations they need to take into account when looking at these projects, right? So there are many good projects out there that fundamentally are sound projects that just don't quite fit into a large regulated financial institution's box, right? And those projects can now, could now get built a little more easily. And I think you bring that optionality into the market and overall you have a better functioning market for capital to going into these projects. And I think that's a good thing for everybody involved. Yeah, that's definitely the ideal scenario, right? Um, it, it's interesting to see how that has evolved. Cause I, you know, I think whenever I first started covering um, the financial markets, um, that was something that was sort of whispered about right <laughs> like on the edges uh, they're like oh man you know uh you know direct pay alternative um but now that we're actually seeing it you know incorporated into bills that have been um proposed right you know we'll see what happens with them but the fact that it, it's gotten to that level uh, it's starting to become kind of real i think where it's like wow this could really happen right and yeah. so uh to, to think about um sort of what the implications for that are going to be obviously you know there's like <laughs> these um you know, it, 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 I think it may be a little bit of exaggeration. People talk about how it's going to be like the death of the the tax equity market, right? Um, but it is interesting to hear you, you know, talk about how um, it could lead to, at the very least, like some choice, right? And and some and the evolution of how look at the tax equity market and and you know how how big of a role that it plays um, in in penciling projects. So it's interesting to kind of get your perspective on on all those things that are churning around in there, right? Yeah, I think there'd still be a, a valuable role for tax equity to play in that refundable world, but you, you shift the market a little bit and make it, you know, that optionality does a lot of good. Yeah, 
yeah, especially for, like you said, projects that don't quite fit into that box. Um, so another big thing that everybody's talking about and, and is just kind of the direction that the industry is going is storage, right? Is that is that something that, that DSD is looking at um, going forward? Or, you know, have you had any experience with, with storage, whether, you know, whether it's been paired with any of, of your products or anything, or, or just kind of what are your thoughts on, on storage and, and how, you know, what role you think it's going to play in, with DSD specifically? Yeah, I think in the market overall, it has a, a very important role to play, um, particularly, you know, when you go back to the, the interconnection and utility considerations and how the grid is designed. I think you, you can get the utilities a lot more comfortable and, and I think you're adding more value to the projects and to the grid when you put these when you put storage together. And there are a lot of cases where, you know, we have commercial customers that um, use a lot of energy and a lot of power and uh, attaching a battery to a behind the meter system can add a lot of value to them in terms of their capacity costs. So, I mean, those two, and just in those two areas, you're, you're talking about value that is being added into the grid to the customer, right? And so mm-hmm. if value is being added to the grid, value is being added to the customer, then it makes sense that we'll see those, um, you know, proliferate more and more. And I think that's, uh, we're, we're definitely seeing that. We have built, um, you know, a dozen or so battery storage, um, you know, solar plus storage systems. And going forward, I think it's, you know, our pipeline is, you know, maybe a third um, has attachment um, uh, with a battery. So it's definitely something we're looking at. We're, we're investing in spending more time going through, but uh, it's an exciting, uh, it's an exciting little segment of the market that needs to be figured out over the next few years. Well, yeah, you mentioned, you know, it needs to be figured out and, and it's exciting to kind of be on the cusp of that. What do you think it's going to take for, for storage to, to kind of reach the same point that, you know, that, that same uh, level that, that, you know, wind went through and then, you know, now solar has gone through, like, what do you think it's going to take for storage to kind of hit that same peak and, and uh, you know, where it needs to be in the market to really yeah. uh, hit its stride? One of the biggest challenging challenges is the financing. Right. Um, because the, the bankability of the manufacturers is is a question. Right. And I mean, it's same. you go back to solar 15 years ago, you go back to wind 15, 20 years ago. Right. It's like, OK, well, how long is one of these the turbines actually going to spin up there? Mm-hmm. Again? Essentially, it's a tech, a well, tech risk. Right? Years? Yeah, it's a, it's a technology risk because there's really only one major manufacturer that's a publicly traded company that gives you a warranty backed from a publicly traded company out there. Right. And everybody knows who that is, but there's a couple other large manufacturers that don't really stand behind their warranties in the way they like them to stand behind. And there are a couple of large manufacturers that have shut down their battery energy storage, (laughs) um, manufacturing right and so do you want to own uh and be relying on a you know a 10-year warranty from a company that is no longer doing that right like that's and just the fact that you have large manufacturers stop you know that are exiting right it it, there's a lot of questions in there i think most of it is good i think most of the technology 
is very simple from a chemistry perspective. We've been building lithium ion batteries for decades. And so I think we might be overthinking it yeah. a little bit, but um, at the same time, you know, investors, lenders, people are need to need to have comfort that if they're putting in a 10, 15 year piece of equipment, it's going to operate as expected because you're underwriting those cash flows. And you need to you need to have good faith that that's going to going to be there. And I think there are a bunch of newer manufacturers that are coming in that have some promising technology and, and what they're doing and and the systems and everything. But um you know, I think that's a big challenge that needs to be solved. And I think is, is very exemplary of DG because it's like all the developers are like, no, it's fine. We've been building lithium ion batteries forever. Like, right. Which is not untrue. And then on the other hand, you have, you know, the counterparties are saying, well, like, is it going to work in, in three years mm-hmm. or 10 years? You're, you're, you're going to charge me for 15 years here, right. Or 10 years, whatever the case. Right. And, and how, working. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. And, and is it going to work and how much you know, is it going to be irrelevant in 10 years? Right. Is it going to be, you know, as is technology going to evolve to the point where those, you know, it's like it, it isn't really the value isn't really what it what it was at the beginning. Right. I think yeah. that's, that's another key uh, risk. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, Andrew. Um, well, you know, I, I, it, we were kind of getting to the end of our time here and I know that you, I'm sure you got a busy day ahead, but, uh, I, I just wanted to kind of close with, with, with talking about whether you guys have any, I don't know if you have, um, specific targets in mind for the next couple of years for, for what you're doing, but, but if you could just kind of go into what your goals are, um, you know, at DSD over the next couple of years for, uh, your solar and, and I guess, now a uh, growing portion of your storage uh, pipeline. Like what are your goals? What do you want to accomplish over the next couple of years? What do you want to see? Yeah, I think, you know, one goal I have for, for my team and, and what we do in the, the underwriting and, the, and the, the financing is really to continue pushing the capital markets to, to deal with process a little more. Right. And I think that that's challenge and, and everybody wants to underwrite every little detail of every project. Um, and that's it's that's a shift. Right. Of just doing that. And I think we've we've been able to get there. Um, but I think continuing to push that um, is is going to be really good for the market. Right. And so um, when when I talk to other people in similar roles at other developers, it's like yeah, we got to keep pushing. We got to keep pushing the market to, to better understand the process rather than than the individual details. Um, so I think that's, that's a goal of mine is, is really to, to continue pushing the capital markets. Um, I think as a, as a business, you know, DSD, like I said, I don't think we have publicly stated uh, published goals of megawatts or anything like that. I mean, we're growing pretty rapidly. Um, it is our goal to be one of the, you know, top two, three, whatever uh, developers and asset owners of DG systems, right? That's definitely our goal. And, and we're trying to push there. It's a tough market to grow because there's so much money chasing projects, right? So we're not going to, we're not going to go uh, get out over our skis here, trying to just grow for growth sake. Um, but we certainly are trying to push that. And, and I think as a general goal, when we look out and we see projects that we're trying to build, right? Like, I said it earlier, there should be um, solar canopies on every municipal parking lot 
in, in every state of the country. There's just no reason not to, right? And every viable commercial rooftop should have solar on it, right? It's cheap enough, it's cost effective, it's easy enough to do now, right? Let's, let's as an industry get that done because that's gonna be good, good for our taxpayers, it's good for our customers, it's good for the people, it's good for our planet, right? So we should be doing that and, and that's, that's our goal. That's my goal here at DSTs to help uh, continue that growth. Awesome. Well, uh, I, I'm sure I certainly uh, am, am pulling for you and, and for the great things that DSD uh, is doing and, and has already accomplished. And congratulations on everything that you've done. Congratulations on your recent promotion, by the way. And um, okay. I look forward to, uh, to hearing more from uh, the great things that DSD is doing in our industry going forward. Yeah, it's been great, uh, great talking with you again here and um, keep keep promoting the industry for us. Right. The more people talk about it, the more uh, the more it helps. So appreciate the opportunity to chat with you. Yeah, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Take care.